welcome back to another episode of Phone Never Than Idiots. Welcome to another episode as we try to figure I this shit out one more time. That. Wow. I did. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I let, I seriously <laughs> fucking lag on my side. <laughs> well, as you as is obvious in the title, we are fucking idiots. Um and so we're here again today to tell you about some shit you probably know more than us about. That's Am that's, I that's wrong or am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Like, right now, uh, are you wrong, or are you always wrong? I mean, I think both apply. I would agree. Hell yeah. So, I'm right, but I'm also wrong. Anyways, we're here today to talk about <laughs> prison reform, I think. Uh, oh, I thought we were going to do just current events first. Fuck up and let me talk. Wow, this is starting out so aggressively. <laughs> They really need All to right, see each Casey, other. Go ahead. Run, tell, tell us what you're going to tell us. <laughs> nope, I'm good. All right. Well, we're here today talking about fucking mass incarceration and uh, prison reform with our prior guest, Clarice, sweetie. You there, sweetie? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, you there? Yeah, he was breaking up on my end. Sorry. Yeah, um, that's all good. Okay. Well, I'm here. Hi. Sweet. <laughs> Great to have you back again. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, anytime. Are we going to do current events first? Yeah, what we, are we sure doing will. First? Let Stacey okay. uh, go ahead and take that over. What did you have for us, Stacey? Well, uh, since Sweetie is here with us uh we've also we've been talking about coronavirus 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 but uh coronavirus fucking uh we've had a whole lot of weather events this past week and a lot of tornadoes in one touchdown not very far from you correct yeah that was uh very scary i've never lived through anything like that and nothing i mean i've lived through hurricane katrina um and uh with hurricanes, we have time to prepare. We usually have a few days' notice. Um, but with uh, the tornado, um, I literally got a notification, and it said, tornado touched down less than a mile, seek shelter immediately. And um, I was like, okay, that's rude, because <laughs> it's only a mile away. I got no notice. Um, and, and coronavirus. <laughs> and coronavirus. Um, and I was, I mean, I've never experienced weather like that. And just like the howling, the whipping of the winds. And um, it was so frightening. I, rem I just, you know, was, I was terrified. I was, it was the scariest thing. Um, and then I hop on Facebook just to see like what people are saying in my area and people are saying, um, take shelter immediately. Um, my house is gone and I'm looking at these people's posts and I know that they live like maybe a street or two over from me. And I am just, I'm, it was very scary. And then I, uh, I, it finally passes, and this happened at 11.30 p.m. on Easter. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my question. Yeah, 
And most people were already in bed and sleeping. And we had no, like, prior tornado warning through the day. Um, Mm -hmm. The weather was actually beautiful. And it just started storming. And um, so the next day I wake up and I'm, you know, eager to see the news. And I'm watching these videos of, um, it was actually, the worst damage was done on um, so I live on Bonnie Oaks Drive, and it was um, the street over for me, and then East Brainerd. And Jamie and I used to live on East Brainerd Road, and that whole area is completely gone. So, um, so seeing the videos and seeing these landmarks of where you know old stomping grounds, um, and less than five six miles from where I live now is completely gone. Um, and as for, as far as personal damage to my property, I just feel so grateful because I went out there in the backyard, like all messed up or whatever, but then to look like a street over, like at the end of my street, a man's car, totally his big truck flipped over and crashed into his house. So I'm like, gosh, we got nothing compared to most people, 50,000 Hamilton County residents are without power for seven to 10 days. Um, You know, not only are we in this, um, you know, stay at home, but now most people can't even stay at home because they don't have a home. So um, it was really hard to see. And there was tons of damage. Um, I can't give you the exact number of lives lost, but um, last time I checked, I thought, I think it was up to nine um, but over 150 um, businesses and homes were destroyed. It was, um, I've never seen anything like it. And it was scary, but very grateful to be alive, to have power. And um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Scary. Where were you at for Katrina? I was in South Florida. So we got hit really hard. Mm-hmm. Um uh, we had, um, I remember that day perfectly. I was living with my dad and Ramo mm-hmm. and, um, both of them were under the influence and, um, we had boarded up properly mm-hmm. and, um, I, I was awake and I, and we lived in two story townhouse and I started, um, I was awake, they were sleeping And all of a sudden I am downstairs and I just see the shingles start flying off the roof. So I literally wake my dad up, drag Ramo down the stairs, put us all in the uh, downstairs uh, bathroom and um, let the tornado come. Next thing you know, like half our roof is gone. We didn't have power for three weeks, trees down all over. I mean, that was something that I lived through and I never thought like, I'm like grateful to be alive, but, um, but we were prepared. We knew it was coming and Mm -hmm. we, you know, we boarded up, we stocked up on, you know, canned goods. I mean, everything that you do for a hurricane, but with a tornado, you have no notice. And I think that's the scariest part. And, um, and really just like the wind and the rain is completely different. Um, because sometimes like during a hurricane, it's actually like so beautiful out, like the sun is shining. It's just like Mm -hmm. that eye of the storm. It's like nice. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful. Windy. Like you're outside. You're like, this is a great day. And then with a tornado, I mean, it is just gathering every little bit of debris and 
literally taking it. It's like a blender, just like splattering everything everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it's totally different. And um, so I just, uh, I don't know. And like our old um, neighborhood in Chattanooga, Holly Hills, um, Jamie lived there. I lived there. We both lived there at different times. But that whole neighborhood is gone. And yeah. um, and it's just so, so sad. Um, and I'm just feeling really fortunate. And, I'll, and yeah, so that's what happened. Yeah, that's wild. It was super uh, windy here that day. Like mm -hmm. the, the day prior, it it was. I was wondering if something was going to happen here. So it's strange that it was so calm there, and uh, you know, evolved into that. Yeah, that was crazy to like get online the next day because I didn't know anything about it. Um, and then to see like, oh, I used to work there. It's gone, or I know exactly where that is. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, and then not to always bring everything back to coronavirus, but putting that coronavirus in that blender, if you will, um, that just scared the shit out of me because I'm already so scared for my mom and my sister who I'm far from. But to think now this on top of that, I was just like, come live with me. <laughs> like, do I just say come live with me, everyone? And to yeah. that point, sweetie, um, you're absolutely correct. So since the tornado hit, we have had a drastic increase of new coronavirus cases in Hamilton County. Yeah. So it is because people cannot social distance. People are hunkering yeah, down with friends of a friend. Yeah, they're going to shelters. They are bunkering with friends. They and then of course the community that is. Um, you know, having, wanting to help their, you know, passing out dishes and food and this, and nobody has correct PPE. So, um, it really is just now it is becoming a major issue. So we had, you know, last week, don't quote me on the exact number, but about 150 cases in Hamilton County. And, um, every day since the tornado, it has jumped in the double digits of new cases. So, um, like Jay, like Jamie said, it is, definitely going to become a bigger issue here in Hamilton County with the coronavirus. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. My thought was, man, these people are already out of work due to coronavirus. And now, like, they were already, you know, financially on the edge. And now they have fucking no way to come back. And so some of the pictures I saw, some, like, drone footage was over an apartment complex and mm -hmm. just like the thought of people who are already living in an apartment as opposed to like a house where you can like have a better quarantine life. Like it just, mm -hmm. things felt so stacked on top of these people that, um, I don't know. It, you just got to find a lot of light to make it through because I, I was feeling hopeless for them. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, um, I mean, community outreach kind of stuff that you see going on up there right now? Um, so right now we have, um, you know, a, 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 there's a church here, Venue Church, who I saw on Facebook. They went and 
ordered like 500 pizzas and just went door to door to see if anybody was home um, in some of the houses and provided like pizzas. Um, my friend Hunter created a whole bunch of um, hot plates and passed those out. We have shelters um, that were old, um, like gyms at school, um, you know, just ha- either providing shelter or meals. Um, and then we have people on, you know, typical Facebook. Um, hey, I have a friend who lost everything. Can anybody donate clothes or mm-hmm. any soap or anything like that? So, um, you know, and it's hard too, because you want to get in there and volunteer and help and be on the front lines for your community. But on the other hand, it's, I don't, I can help because of coronavirus. Like I am terrified of this virus. So I don't want to be around people. So it's important to find ways to either just drop something off, like do a drive by, like, here's all my clothes. Here's a bunch of food. Um, love you. Bye. But I can't sit here and like hang out and pick up jibbery with you. And I might, <laughs> that might not be the best attitude, but I think for, safety measures for health, um, all that can kind of wait. And we continue to try to social distance and be smart about, you know, what can wait and what we should be trying to prevent right now. Man. Also on the, on the note of coronavirus, I, uh, listened to our dumpster baby episode from the other day. Mm. Didn't age well, (laughs) has not aged well. Uh, Jamie, oh. you were you were talking a bunch of shit compared to uh, your stance now. I just want what, you to oh my, what, go was back that, and what's recollect What's the time that. stamp on that? What roundabouts wins was that? Oh, uh, let me see. I'll look it I up can, for myself. I got it. I got it. I remember, like, in the early days, feeling more concerned about the economy than the health of it. Mm-hmm. I certainly still worry about the economy, but I think the health part of it has really jumped up. <laughs> that would have been fun. March 8th. Oh, that was ages ago. <laughs> so five I, was a com- I am a completely different person. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure Justin Trudeau said the same thing. Honestly, like I haven't even worn a bra with underwire since then. Like it's been days. I was a different person. Holy yeah, no way. Absolutely not. All right. Well, did we have any other uh, current events? Did yeah, you guys want to talk uh, about coronavirus from, more? From uh, from let's from being from one proverb from one shitstorm to uh, another. Let's talk about the current state of the Democratic Party. Uh, okay, I'm gonna just go ahead and mute myself because I <laughs> don't know anything. Uh, so Bernie officially backed out, and Obama finally stepped up and backed Biden. I think we have like it. Yeah, but I thought, but from what I saw, I thought that you could still, Bernie was still running, but he was stopping his campaign. Yeah, that's, that's he's 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 let's let's be real, he's done. I mean, he can contest it at the convention when, if ever that happens, um, again, coronavirus. I mean, as someone back. as someone who was actually considering fucking voting for once. <gasps> 
now I just again have been fucking relegated to the place where I again don't feel like it fucking matters. I think it's a different situation. It's a slightly different situation. Um, we don't have twenty five years of hatred for Joe Biden in the same way that some people really did for Hillary. And I think the focus has just really got to be on defeating Trump. And I just want to, I have to, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't think that's, I don't know if it's going to happen. And you know, I I don't know whether or not it's going to happen, but I don't know what, how, whether or not it's going to be any different. And I kind of, I kind, I, I, I understand both of your points, but I, I kind of feel like this, the, the subject itself is still kind of what pisses me off about the youth's engagement in politics. Every four years, there's a major bump in, 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 in voters itself because it is a presidential election, but. There, the amount of people that do come out and vote and don't come out and vote based just upon the presidential election itself, there's other shit that's going to be on that ticket. That 100%. That's, that's more than just I, who's running for president. And like the, the high yeah. the high ticket is important. The, the presidential is important. But the, the shit that really matters is to your local. day-to-day life is your state and local shit that goes on. There's I couldn't agree shit more. That be like the T-Splash shit and all the other shit that matters, like your local representation, like some of the laws themselves that get passed, we ourselves vote on, you know, it's it, we, not only do we vote on the elected officials, but we vote on some of the shit that happens in our area, like the taxes and, and how that money gets spent in our areas. And so I think to we're base seeing- your yeah to base your whether you're gonna go vote just because v- Biden got pushed forward and Bernie's not there no more is a dumbass idea. Go fucking vote because there's other shit there. I think Stacy, I love unless that. the vote is to bring the McRib back, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> oh my! I think not to once again bring it back to Corona, but I think we're seeing. <laughs> We're seeing the effects of local government in a way that we haven't had to really pay as much attention to. And every the- city, every state is handling handling this differently. So if you look at something like our state governor, which is like a really big deal that we vote on. Um, oh yeah, how did your how did your fucking uh, voting go for that? Because as far as what I know, he fucking completely stole that election. So what the fuck does that matter? Whoa. <laughs> again, again, there was other shit there on that ticket that mattered as well, too. Oh, so that that was exempt from from the fucking <laughs> bullshit. Again, there's other shit. So you're telling me that simply because the fact that, you know, there's other shit that's going to pop up and the, 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 the vote for legalization in Georgia keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And they're talking about it may be on this ballot as well. And just because you don't want to, you may not know whether it's going to pop up on this ballot or not. Just because you're like, ah, fuck that. They pushed Biden up there. I don't know. No, what I'm saying is that the fucking system is rigged. And that even if you, all the people that wanted fucking Kemp in charge got fucked because of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like them stealing the election, basically. And I think the other point is that there are local things that 
are not in play in the same way that are worth having your voice heard on. Is that kind of like, yeah, just, just because someone steals the baseline of the election doesn't always mean that they're going to steal what like a, a T splos vote as well. You reel into that T spot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, no just that's, that's because that's one of the most widely known things. Like if I, if I tell you, you know, a, a prop, prop two vote, everybody's going to be like, what the fuck is that too? You know, a T-Sploss is something that's popped up everywhere and you see it on road signs and shit. You sure do. So that's, people know what the fuck that is. Well. Okay. Yeah. Glad we could start off the <laughs> podcast in a did you, uh, heated did, argument. Jamie, did you watch the, uh, the... Obama endorsement? Did you watch the video? I didn't. Okay. Claire, did you watch it? I did not. I know I know John didn't watch it. Nope, I did not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I that's... readily admit that, just like all the other things that I <laughs> readily admit. <laughs> all right. Uh, anybody else have anything else for current events? Uh, if you wanted numbers, I have them here for you. There uh, are. Just as bad as ever. Keep going up. Um, they're horrible. I mean, what can I say? Total deaths yeah. is high. Uh, they did add a new column to this page for the, <laughs> the resurrected. No, <laughs> for some reason, I guess because there's been a lot of questions on the total amount of people that have been tested. Uh, they added a new line for the total amount of people tested in the United States or around the world too. And they put one, uh, so we've had just under three and a half million people tested in the United States so far. I've also heard that here locally, they are, uh, not testing specifically, uh, so that tourists will come back once the whole lockdown's over. That Savannah uh, doesn't want to be known as a as a place with a high coronavirus thing, so they're just straight up not testing to so that it doesn't affect the tourist industry. I did hear our mayor, our elected mayor, say that he was requesting that Georgia output the numbers by zip code mm -hmm. instead of just by county, mm -hmm. which sounded like a good idea. But I think also aids into being able to say, like, downtown Savannah, where we only had seven coronaviruses, like, mm. to, like, get it broken down like that to separate ourselves from the county. I mean, for the county itself, because, see, this, this says these numbers were updated at 1138 a.m., but for the county, for Chatham County, there's only 170 cases and five deaths. So that's, that's, that's not high. So that's not bad for the, I mean, they, that's per capita. That's, that's, that's not bad for the city. One of the deaths was someone that a uh, singer and I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you knew him much better than I did much. Yes. You had a much closer connection. We had met in passing, you know, I would um, say. he worked for the theater company. He did a couple of shows. He was the piano player guy and he passed on Easter morning. Sorry to hear that. It was uh, felt very close. And yeah. even though I had not seen him or spoken to him in like years, um, he was still part of like the fabric of what we had done here. So that was like knocking at, felt like he was knocking at my back door. Mm -hmm. 
that you like. Well, that. you also know other. People. Oh my god! <laughs> you also know other people that have confirmed cases. Um, yes. You know, Stacy and I know a couple of people that went and got tested, but they were, both came back negative. Oh wow! So I I think it's a conspiracy of the theater industry to take down the government. Wow, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So. So yeah, that's it on our current events today. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to give us the numbers. Uh, so what do you want? Uh, so far, uh, <laughs> active cases in the United States is six hundred and seventy-two thousand three hundred and three. Uh, total deaths in the United States is thirty-three thousand eight hundred and ninety-eight. Gotcha. Total recovered. Is fifty six thousand two hundred and forty three, and that is okay. as of uh, April seventeenth, eleven thirty eight. Wait, I'm sorry. What can you repeat the recovered? Uh, recovered is fifty six thousand two hundred and forty three. So, of six hundred and fifty thousand cases, only fifty thousand are recovered. Yeah, 672,000, 56,000 ever covered. And then there's like, what, 40,000 or whatever number you just said that died. So what are the rest of these other people doing? They're currently fighting the coronavirus. Oh, fire. I guess there is that old thing. That time. They just chilling. They sleep. Shot into space by Elon Musk. They went night night. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I guess they're you, running. They're <laughs> actively running through the streets, yeah. Got attempting it. to infect yeah. anyone. They're they're, they're outperforming the Democratic National Committee. They're outperforming theater shows right now. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, let's cut that part out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Jamie, you were like the ad, the math is not adding up. <laughs> You're like I'm not good at math, but that doesn't seem to add but up. There seems to be half a million people who are just doing something <laughs> unaccounted for. <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> they go back These to work. These numbers seem great. <laughs> so they, they, they at home on quarantine. Thank you. Okay, no problem. No, probably not. They're probably at your local Kroger. No. <laughs> Some of them may be. Where I just went today with no mask. So, so how many of y'all have seen, probably hasn't seen it. I know Jamie and Singer have, but somebody else posted it on Facebook today with the girl, the lady that was being interviewed with the raspy voice. Yeah. The uh, That was like, yeah, I got coronavirus. How many, and then who, what the, the, WJCL thing that I posted. Uh, apparently, this young lady coughed on a family of four, screaming coronavirus and running away. Who the fuck are these people that are? Why? Like, you know what? At that point, it is almost worth catching the coronavirus from them to beat their ass because it. Like, if that ever happened, and I was at a grocery store, oh my goodness. It would, I, it would just like, why do they think that's funny? And, I mean, like, I all think the... the video, I think the video is a different circumstance. I think the video was definitely a joke, uh, just a, sh- uh, just a, a dumb, shitty joke. 
whereas opposed to the um that person who was coughing on people at the thing which is more of a malicious thing i think do you think that's part of that new age uh the new age stupid prank bullshit to to, to record that and post it to the internet kind of thing Sure. I, no, I don't, I don't have think tics. so because I think we would have seen that video. Well, there's like that guy going and licking all the deodorants. Right. He took a video of himself licking every deodorant down the line. He's like had got a he caught a case, <laughs> and he's at yeah. the jailhouse. So I think there was a little bit, and even before this, remember there was like that licking ice cream issue yeah. for a video, like. Yeah, but I mean, I. So the the lady that coughed on the people I've at not the seen store, that. that's what I'm saying is that if it was a for a stupid video, we would have seen the stupid video probably, right? Or uh. it would have said in the article, which I'm sure none of us actually read, that it was for a stupid video. But I'm thinking it was more of a uh, just a malicious fuck with people thing, right? possibly i don't know i think you know it really depends because at my office um you know there is one person in particular who does not think that this is anything and um i am very precautious at work so they will come in and like taunt me by uh like coughing or um like licking a piece like their finger and then the a piece of paper and then handing it to me like just like obnoxious things richie oh my god so doesn't your (laughs) doesn't your family own the business yeah, so he is actually my brother-in-law's brother. <laughs> so, um, okay. so like we, he would be like my uncle. So I was just trying to be like nice about it. <laughs> like there's this person at the office. No, um, but, but I'm now... saying like I'm saying like can't can't you fucking like tell someone to like you know tell him to fucking stop or he's gonna have to take a few days off or something? No, he's the um, boss too. He's the just... boss. Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. He owns it with my sister. Yeah. With uh, our other sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah He's he part of the it. family that owns it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I would, at, at that point, I mean, obviously we're not all at the fucking uh, financial point to be able to do that, but I would, you know, be like, yo, I can't, you know, this has to stop because I feel uncomfortable coming to work. Well, and that's exactly the conversation that me and Sweetie had because I told her that, you know, I called Jamie right away. I was like, I'm about to walk out. And she's like, walk out. I will help pay all your bills. Do it Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, so I went there and I like he started up again and I I said, I will walk out. I don't need this job. You guys need me more than I need this. And um, he has totally scaled back and I lock everyone out of the office. I've totally like. Like, all their timesheets were in my office. I moved them all over into the conference room, so nobody needs to even come in my office. So it's definitely gotten better. But I could see what that what you're saying about the woman being malicious is that people are just out to be spiteful for other people who are being precautious. And honestly, well, I wouldn't be as precautious if I was just a single lad by myself. But mm-hmm. I take full care of our mother who has COPD, diabetes, all these 
underlying health issues, and I'm using air quotes because apparently everybody in the world has underlying health issues. Um, so, you know, she, she, so I have to be so cautious for my mother, mm-hmm. not me. Like I might, you know, get, you know, a little cough or a little fever, but that if my mother, if me and Jamie's mom gets it, she's toast, you yeah. know? So, um, so that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, I try to stay cautious for her. Does, does he have kids? He, well, yeah. And you know, what's strange is that his daughter, um, our cousin Danielle, um, is a respiratory, is a respiratory therapist. So she would be like front lines of this, but it's funny because she will text me, Hey, come out with me tonight. Hey, can I come over and use your Smith machine? Um, Hey, can I come over and use this? And I'm like, girl, you're on the front lines. You should know better than anybody else what's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I see her social media and she is still out and about um, whether it's at somebody's house or whatever, Mm -hmm. out drinking And I just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like what they are watching to inform them that they are not taking this seriously or they just don't care. So it is a family issue over there for them. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just thinking that they're, I mean, maybe they're thinking that they're just assuming that they're going to be part of the survival rate. And I'm sure they will. Like, my cousin mm-hmm. is very healthy. And my uncle is, he's an ex-boxer. He is very healthy, never smoked. You know, he will make it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, and I don't want to say I don't think my mom would. But with my mom, my mom uses a breathing machine at night. She worked, she smoked for 105 years, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, she just, she just, I don't think it would be good. I don't, yeah, I don't, no, I'm concerned for no, just like a. Not, it would not be good for anyone yeah. with any type of breathing issue, let alone COPD, a chronic, you know, debilitating, you know, lung pro- problem. Right. So for those reasons, um, yeah, I just they call me Corona cranky at work because like I'll come in, Lysol everything. I always have like gloves, sanitizer, like Lysol wipes, like everything, and I don't touch anything and I don't let anybody in my office but you know what if that's what it's gonna take then whatever you know so that's what I'm doing well that's like I went to I went to Kroger today and I seen a lady pushing her fucking uh you know maybe three to four year old in a cart who was like eating a fucking rice krispie treat you know no mat neither of them had a mask on and I'm like, are you fucking actively? Are you like Casey Anthonying this one? Oh my or? god! Like, what the fuck is Damn. really going on here? Like, am I wrong though? Yeah, some people. Uh, no, some people just various degrees of finding it to be an issue. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I obviously, uh, as Jamie has noted many times on the podcast, I'm not taking this, you know, uh, haven't been taking maybe as much precautions as a lot of other people. Um, but I know that 
if I was in close contact with small children or senior citizens or, you know, someone with a, with a lung issue, I, I would definitely be, you know, gearing up everywhere that I went. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, did we have any other current events, anything else on coronavirus? I from, got nothing from us experts here at Omnipotent Idiots. <laughs> Leading this conversation on coronavirus. Hell yeah. Oh, it's fine. Uh, no. Uh, so, yeah. Claret, you wanted to talk about uh, mass incarceration and some of the different issues are surrounding that so why don't you lead us into that and what you wanted to bring to the table today okay well um i chose this topic because um it is obviously something near and dear to um me and sweetie's little heart um and um i think right now we're seeing a lot of things in the media of of um people that are incarcerated um, getting released and because of the coronavirus and um, and a lot of I read a lot of comments and people have like a lot of opinions on that too but um, I think just really um, I mean I don't know where to start I know that we have an issue here um, in the United States um, currently 6.6 million people are currently in the criminal justice system in the United States. So we obviously have not even tested half that many people with the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> always, that's how it is, always been. Because <laughs> what Stacy said, we tested 3 million. Well, not even half the people in the criminal justice system. And um, 4.5 million of those people are currently on parole or probation beyond a reasonable term um what does that so mean? what what does that mean beyond a reasonable term so um another great money maker is um keeping keeping people on parole um for extended periods of time so um let's just say you know you do your time you get out on parole and now you have you're on parole for five, six, seven years. So, mm. and um, I can't speak to being on parole. I've never been on parole, but from what I've read, I mean, you can get locked up or a parole ri- violation for simply just being two minutes tardy to uh, a meeting with your probation officer, which means you are now going back into the system. Well, so, even if you get, like, pulled over? Correct. That's, like, a violation and, of your probation or parole? Correct. So it keeps, it basically keeps the customer coming back. I mean, it keeps yeah. the, yeah, the, the, you know, person who is on parole or probation coming back, mm-hmm. um, back into the system. So we have a huge problem with that. Um and a great foundation right now is um, the Jay-Z and Meek Mills Prison Reform Organization, Reform Alliance. And they're really fighting um, for a more um, 
a less harsh um, probation and parole sentencing. So um, because a lot of times, you know, like Singer said, something so simple can put you right back into the system. Mm -hmm. And obviously having over 2.5 million people in prison right now is more than any other country in the world. And it works. Um, so a, a, a huge, huge number of the people incarcerated right now, um, 1.5 million actually of them are suffer from substance abuse and addiction. And um, over half a million of them were under the influence of alcohol and drugs um, at the time of committing their crimes. So, um, you know, that really stemmed from the 1980s um, war on drugs. Mm -hmm. So I guess to get to the Which we definitely won. <laughs> well, we... Who, the drugs? <laughs> yeah, we've obviously defeated yeah. the drugs. Yeah. Um, I, I, so to really bring the history of mass incarceration is in 1980s, in the 1980s, we started the war on drugs and basically um, we're slamming people with very harsh and long prison um, sentencings for very small amount of drugs. And what that Which did, the U.S. government was providing to, you know, sure. uh, underserved communities. Okay, didn't know that. Um, but um, so that's Stacey, what happened. you want to pitch in on that? Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's very, very well known. CIA has come out and, well, they didn't fully. Infiltrated but, minority communities with the crack act epidemic essentially yeah i mean that was they, that was, they seeded that was, and started it that was freeway story mm -hmm. the, the real rig ross's story i mean with uh was it the the contra and everything else that's how we that's that's how we uh that's how the united states has uh funneled money to uh back channels to take over governments in south america before as we we, we helped funnel drug money through and, and supply weaponry to it's it's hard to break down into one large point right now. I got 32 different things in my head. I apologize. All good. Didn't mean that's to okay. cut you off, Claire. No, that's okay. And it uh, maybe um, this fact is to your point um, with when you said the crack epidemic. 37% um, of the United States is made up of um, African-American people. Mm -hmm. However, 67% of prisons are made up of African-American people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, th that just goes to show you that we have an issue there. Um, but yeah, so it started in the 1980s, war on drugs, harsh sentencing, and um, which created a um, overflow in prisons and um, a, and prisons could not keep up with the amount of people that were getting incarcerated. So um, some billionaires saw that as a business opportunity and started creating private prisons. And, um, and with that, 
uh, a private prison uh, in 1984. They just started booming. The first one was in Shelby County, Tennessee. So right oh. around here. Yep. And um, it turned into a, uh, a $50 billion industry. So, um, yeah, but what in my research of this, like I was, I was looking into some stuff a little bit and one of these reform websites that I'm looking for says that it less than 9% of all incarcerated people are in private prisons. That is correct. Yes. Um, and a lot of them that are in private prisons, their sentencing is, is a lot longer. Okay. So, um, and why we want them there is because um, you, we have uh, people, businesses like Bank of America, Bank of America, Victoria's Secret. They are um, actually using these inmates to make a lot of their products for a very, very low wage. What and is that Bank is of America doing? Oh well, Bank of America is actually a huge um, is a huge investor in private, private. prisons. Um, wow. So I don't know what they're making specifically. I was like, are they running my checks? It seems they, well. It seems crazy that they would have my information. That was another thing that this. So not to like keep poking holes in this, but um, they're saying that from what I found is that. Less than 1% are employed by private companies, um, which, I mean, I'm totally against this whole thing, but just looking into these, because it's like five common myths, they're like, they also, these people that put this out also want prison reform, but they're saying that a lot of our common arguments are actually fallacies. So they're saying that those, uh, the private industries are actually required to pay minimum wage. Whereas the federal work, the, the government work, um, is actually the fucking shit that doesn't pay. 86 cents to 3.45 a day is, that's coming from the fucking government work where they make them work, you know, actually inside the prison doing laundry or making the food or whatever. Um, so, um... I, I think there were like a lot of questions there. So if I miss one, let me know. But you said they're not owned privately um, by big corporations. So they might not be owned by a large corporation, but they have investors in that investors. So okay. these investors might not be not have their name on it. Like Wells Fargo invested mm -hmm. over $100 million in private prisons. Bank mm -hmm. of America. um you know, they have invested over, you know, $50 million in private prisons. So even though they might not be owned privately and have that large corporation's name on them, they are mm -hmm. investors in it. Um, they say that it is a huge profitable business. So they are looking at these private prisons as a business. I got um, you. So you're talking more about investments to the ownership of the prisons, whereas correct. I was talking about the prison jobs. Right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you are correct. In federal prisons, um, you know, the guy who takes your picture during visitation um, when you're at a federal prison, 
um, he's maybe making 75 cents an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times you, when you get into a federal prison, you might have to, you may owe the federal government money. And they are taxing that on any type of income that you have coming in, whether it's your family sending you money for your commissary, they can deduct that money from your commissary. Or if you're working a job, they can deduct a portion of that because of the money that you owe. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, And that's something that I have just learned recently through our little brother because I'll send him money and then he'll call and be like, PD, you know, I owe the federal government, you know, blah, 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 money. So they took, you know, a portion of that, you know, so, and this is how it works and this is what works. So, um, not to, um, so, I mean, has that been confirmed? Um, that the, what? Well, I know Jamie has said, like, you've sought out other sources because he may not, he may be, uh, you know, telling you what he needs to tell you to get what he wants. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, and so I, I'm wondering if that's like an actual thing or maybe him trying to get more money, not to, to shit on anybody or whatever no i'm i'm a six on the enneagram so i'm a loyal skeptic um so i will call suspect on any damn thing and i will fact check it and i will do my part um Mm -hmm. at at this point um i have a friend of mine who um her son is incarcerated to in a federal prison in North Carolina. And they actually just had to relocate because of the tornadoes that we had on Sunday. Um, but she, I reached out to her. Um, Mm -hmm. her son's been in there for much longer than Ramo has been. And, um, I asked her if this is typical or can they really do this? Mm -hmm. Um, and she says that in the beginning, she went through that with her son. It was not, it, it was not the percentage that Ramo had told me, mm-hmm. um, but they did confiscate because a lot of times um, when they go there, they will provide them like a, like a one toothpaste, one this, one that, and mm-hmm. you can kind of charge another so your commissary comes in and then mm-hmm. they'll take that money back. So she was familiar with the system, like paying themselves back, mm-hmm. but she wasn't familiar with the percentage that Ramo has discussed with me. So that is my only um, fact checking that I've done with that bit of information. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that it has happened and I'm sure there's some compensation that they take, you know? So, so you're talking about stuff that he is like, he's got he's gotten on credit in the prison not like money that he owes because of court or something well court costs that is like um like lawyer fees and all that we've already paid all that Mm -hmm. um but um but as far as like um like fed like the crime that he did and you know he owes the federal government this amount that is how Ramo explained it to me. Mm-hmm. So, you like know? his tax stamps, like the taxes he owes because he got right. right. 
No, yeah. no restitution fees and shit. Because like once you when when you get charged with a crime, they they don't all, they don't just give you like years of time to do. They can also give you like restitution and penalties and shit. You'll have Correct. court fees and everything else too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is the impression that I got is that that is what they were taking from the money that I was sending him. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, um, you know, a lot of times why, you know, people will still, you know, work in, in the prisons and still need support on the outside. And if you don't have support on the outside, you better have a hustle on the inside. Yeah. So that is, which is what, just going to land you with more fucking time. It could, I mean, or you could have a legit hustle. Like, um, you know, Ramo has um, a laundry guy. So um, this guy comes and I hate he picks. <laughs> I do too because I pay for it. Jamie and I pay for this laundry service, <laughs> and I don't have anybody doing my laundry. But um, there's legit hustles in there. So you can come in, and uh, there's a guy who comes and picks up Ramo's laundry and uh takes it down and washes it irons it and returns it and he gets you know some stamps and some soups you know so like there are legit hustles in there of course there's always contraband there's always corruption there's always you know those underlying like you are going to catch an additional charge for this um Mm -hmm. but there are legit hustles you could cut people's hair um, you could, um, you know, uh, um, make flowers in there. You could create the bracelet guy, the bracelet guy. There was a guy mm-hmm. who made t-shirts with bleach, like really fun designs. Um, mm-hmm. so there's legit hustles to, to definitely, you know, do in there. Um, but it's important that you have support on the outside um, because even if you have those legit hustles, it's never enough mm-hmm. uh, on the inside. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's basically uh, it. But I have a the Wikipedia definition of a private prison mm-hmm. and um, a private prison for profit prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's right there in the name is a place where people are imprisoned by a third party that is contracted by the government agency. Private prison companies typically enter into contractual agreements with governments um, that commit prisoners and then pay per diem or monthly rates. So they actually they pay for you to have prisoners. Um, and so um there, there's contracts made to have a quota of mm-hmm. workers. Um, so, yeah, that's. I thought that was a pretty fun fact to know that is the actual definition of private prison. It's a profit yeah. prison. Um, so, yeah, that's... Um, so, yeah, we have a problem, but, you know, there's... Uh, like we talked about in the beginning of this, um, it's important to vote. Um, just because right now that's something that we talked about during the debate this year was, uh, mass incarceration and dealing away with private prisons in California is actually one of the first states that wants to close private prisons, mm-hmm. um, because it, you know, it's, it is out of control, um, 
However, um, that we everyone saw this coming, you know, with the with the with people wanting to close private prisons. Um, so, um, you know, there's uh, th- these people who make a ton of money off private prisons. Um, they started opening up uh, dis- detention centers. Mm-hmm. And um, we now know that with those dis- detention centers, um, we have a lot of new customers like ICE and the, all the immigration things yeah. that are happening. So um, the C- this um, the people who own it, um, like own private prisons, they are taking the loss on closing them, but now they're opening up these detention centers. Mm-hmm. So it's still that was, corruption. That was one thing that I found in my research that really fucked me up. Um, is that we have, it looks like in federal prisons and jails, we have around 16,000 people there for immigration. Um, and then we have an additional 42,000 people in immigration detention centers. And it's like, why, like, I don't agree that this, like, what I'm about to say is the right answer. But if you're fucking chasing people down for immigration violations, why would you fucking lock them up here rather than just straight up fucking deporting them? If the problem is them being here illegally, why would you continue to keep them here illegally? You know, other than the obvious, like, corruption and and money that they can fucking make off of them. Exactly. And mm-hmm. you said it, it. I mean, that's exactly what's happening is these private prisons are closing. People are becoming aware and we need to those people who own them need to make money. So detention centers. Here we are for immigrants and people who uh, are getting locked up for that. So, so I feel like I feel like for 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 a lot of people that have have been a part of the system or have had family members or anybody else has been a part of the system. Like this has been an ongoing conversation for a long time. And I feel like for the, the community that is, that haven't been a part of the system, there was, you know, is, is the media is always one of those things that, that opens the eyes to a lot of people. And one of those things that opens the open eyes to a lot of people is fucked up as it is to say was orange is the new black. That opened up the eyes to a lot of fucking people. And I actually, I watched it. It wasn't a bad series, but like the last two or three seasons really that, bad. Actually, that, that actually opened up and talked about how shitty the, the for-profit prison system is, that made, that, 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 that look into it is, it's fucked up as the storyline turned, but the actual look at the for-profit prison system may have helped do a correct push into opening people's eyes into the way this, the, 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 the money-making scheme actually is. I'm glad that you feel that way. I have not seen it, so I can't speak to it, but um, I love that you can see that through that. Um, But also too, there's just so many outlets out there that you can educate yourself on. And I mean, as something as simple as 60 days in on A&E, I mean, um, the after prison show, it's a YouTube channel. I've learned a lot from that show. Um, 
I listen to a podcast called Ear Hustle. It takes place inside of a prison. Um, and they, it taught, I mean, to, to be able to be on the inside and not be on the inside and you see the, the way that these people are being treated is just so inhumane and it, it's disgusting. Um, and don't get me wrong. You do a crime, you should do your time and like learn your behavior, you know, but at the end of the day, well, the other thing is, is like. Are they learning? And that their, is the thing. Are they, are they learning? Because they're not getting the... I mean, there are some programs in place for, for therapy and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, most of the time you're just in there with a bunch of other fucked up people trying to fucking survive. Which, in turn, has you doing more fucked up shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly what you said. So going back to the going back to some numbers here, 1.5 million inmates suffer from substance abuse, right? Mm-hmm. That's 85% of the US prison population. However, mm-hmm. um there however Less they rep- they the report fa- a, a report found that only eleven percent of inmates with substance abuse and addiction disorders will receive any type of drug treatment during their incarceration. Mm-hmm. Less than eleven percent. So again, what you were saying, they're not learn there. There's no programs. There's not enough programs out there to either you know, keep people engaged and like moving forward and growing um, or learning about their substance abuse, you know? Mm -hmm. So less than 1% of the money that the state and local governments spent on incarceration, less than 1% of that went to any kind of prevention or treatment programs. Less than, I mean, that's like, Again, back to your point, there's not enough in the prison systems to mm-hmm. help people move forward, be successful, and learn from, you know, their past behaviors. Yeah. So well, and the that goes, that's, that goes hand in hand with, uh, with like you said, with, with, with mental health. A lot of those people are, you know, substance abuse because the the we, we shut down all the mental health facilities for everybody i mean we have no more state and local mental hospitals for anybody anymore like they go straight to prison yeah oh yeah and a lot of times um you know and this is something that i learned from school but a lot of times when people suffer from substance abuse it's a dual diagnosis so Absolutely. they are they are treating themselves with any kind of street drug to really mask the mental health issue, whether it's something like depression or bipolar or schizophrenia, we are masking it by using street drugs. So it's a dual diagnosis. So we really need to get into one, the community itself, but we need to get into the prisons because just because you're sitting in a cell or sitting in a cage doesn't mean you're going to come out and be cured. We really need to focus on 
making sure that we have things in place while they're there so they don't come back and they're not just a product of the system anymore and they have a chance and an opportunity to have a better life on the outside um so i think i think you know we and and jay-z and meek mills you know organization not to go back to that but i think they are um you know two with with a very big name and people know them and that's something that they want to work towards too. Um, just making sure that when you get out that you could be successful, you know, mm -hmm. and that you don't have to turn back to, you know, whatever it was that you were doing to, to do, to make money, that there's other options. Yeah. I also think, well, the, another point I was going to make is keeping them in there isn't keeping them off drugs either because the drugs are fucking just as rampant in there. If not worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, you know, corruption is everywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you can have, you know, COs bring it in, You people who deliver the food. We've seen it. We've all seen those type of shows, Orange is the New Black, Wentworth, mm -hmm. um, 60 Days In. Like, we can go around and around. Those things are available. Mm -hmm. They're out there. Um, but also, <sighs> if those programs were in place, you know, like substance abuse programs, AANA, you would have a better chance of sobriety family to kind of lean on when those things did come into play. Like, Hey, no, I'm working on my sobriety and I'm working my 12 steps. Like right now they may not even, they, they are not engaged in those activities. So, you know, they're not, their willpower may not even be that strong to just say no, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that you have to think about too. So I think, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, Obviously, I'm very new to this, um, and, and I really just started, uh, you know, looking into this because, um, as you know, our little bro is locked up, and when he got locked up, I didn't even know how to get a hold of him. There's no, mm -hmm. like, here's a book on how to get through to your loved one in prison. Like, every prison system is different, whether they have Securus or they have, you know, uh, email system or whatever, or Wells Fargo, you know, like there's always different ways to communicate. So I really had to educate myself in order to provide for him, to communicate with him because this is his first time incarcerated. And, um, and it's, and I know we know some, we all know somebody who has went to jail for a night or mm -hmm. got, you know, we bonded somebody out or whatever. But with Ramos' situation is when he got arrested, um, he went into the system and there was no bond. Mm -hmm. So he had no bond. So it was not like, okay, so you're going to do like five or 10 days in county jail and then we're going to get you out on bond and then we're going to learn some things and then you know then we'll wait for your court date or whatever our brother went in july 19th and he the judge said no bond so mm -hmm. there was no opportunity to be like oh my god well you know we we what what happened with this like we can't communicate authentically over the phone you know, because mm -hmm. of what happened, what do I need to do? What is this? What, what do we need to get ready for? Because, you know, those things are being recorded. 
Um, we don't know what to say. We, you know, just trying to line everything up without the opportunity of, of being, you know, transparent with each other was very difficult, you know, Mm -hmm. even in the hunger games, before you go into the hunger games, they let you off into a side office to talk to your family. Just saying. (laughs) See, we didn't even get that. You You didn't even get that. Nice addition, Jamie. Yes, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for bringing us back to reality. Sorry, I, mean, I know we talked about fucking Orange is the New Black, but Jesus Christ. Well, um, I'm just saying, like, as she's saying that, like, I'm having the vision of, like, you know, you don't get... Oh, yeah, in a in that, like, universe, you get to talk all right, to your family. shut up. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, that was something that I was looking at, is that um, just in jails, not in prisons, but, you know, um, around... 470,000 out of the 750,000 um, haven't been convicted of a crime. Correct. They're either waiting there because they can't pay their bail, which is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they're, they're there until they have to go to court. Um, yeah. So I did some work. I, I can't say that I did some work, but I attended this um, policy thing here in town um that was really focused around the um school to prison pipeline um and so i pulled this book out and did some research so i had some numbers that are more specific to here in savannah but it really speaks to that um racial disparity issue um so black boys who are uh, black boys are six times more likely to be referred to Chatham County Juvenile Court than white boys. Um, black students are more than twice as likely as their white peers to be referred to law enforcement or arrested at school. Um, students of color make up 85 percent of court referrals. Um while they only make up 70% of enrollment. Um, We have the highest frequency of disproportionate contact between black youth and the juvenile justice system. Uh, They're over six times more likely to be referred to court for delinquency than white boys. Um, Black girls are over six times more likely than white girls to be referred to court. Um, black students were more than eight times as likely as their white peers to be referred to a law enforcement agency. Uh, police see black children as less childlike than their white peers and overestimate the age and culpability of black children accused of an offense more than they do for white children accused of an offense. Um, there are a few other ones here. Let me see what I can find. Um, Bail also frequently encourages youth to plead guilty and waive their trial rights, thus leading to unnecessary incarceration. That was another thing I saw about uh, misdemeanors was that um, because they're marketed as a low level crime and low punishment, um, people are more likely to plead guilty to them and get themselves involved in the system rather than get a lawyer than they may, that they may not be able to afford. Um, from 2012 to 2014, black students accounted for 39% of arrests made by school resource officers. I think this is, I'm not sure if this is nationwide or, um, oh wait, hold on. 
this says county. So um, from 2012 to 2014, black students accounted for 39% of arrests made by school resource officers, although they made up only 12 to 13% of the student population. I think that's got to be nationwide because that's not a Georgia statistic. Um, and I think that's it that I had from this uh, work here. Yeah. But yeah, some of those numbers blew my mind. We did a um, school to school to prison pipeline simulation, you know, where we went through. uh we broke down into a bunch of different teams and this is, this was, you know, um, this was a group that I was involved with that was specifically working in schools. Um, but there were law enforcement officers, there were judges, there were school board officials, there were, um, all kinds of people. And we all ran through these school to prison pipeline simulations. And I think it really had a large effect on the way that people perceive, you know, what's actually going on. Um, you know, the, the policy makers and the, and the people who can actually make the changes. So, you know, I just hope that it had the effect that it seemed to, although it did seem that there was a lot of handshaking and picture taking, you know? Um, yeah, and to your point, um, you're exactly right because um, we there has been a tremendous increase of incarceration in the last 40 years, 500%. And it was because of changes in law and policy, not changes in crime rates. Mm -hmm. So the crime rate has been steady. So exactly what you said, mm -hmm. it's changes in law and policy. So that is what is causing the increase of incarceration. So I'm looking at so, um, I'm looking at prison policy initiative, mm -hmm. their website, and I'm looking at some state uh, some state profiles. And so Georgia's state profile is Georgia has 970 people in jail per 100,000 population. And Wait, what? You said yeah. they have 970,000 out of 100,000 no. in jail. No, I said I said they have 970 people in jail per oh, 100,000. Oh, out of every 100,000. Yeah. So okay. on our current, it says we have 100 and... So almost, so like point nine percent of our population is in jail yeah it says uh 102,000 of georgia's residents are locked up in various kinds of facilities mm -hmm. uh 54,000 in state prisons 39,000 in local jails 79 uh 7,900 in federal prisons uh 400 in involuntary commitments there's 1,100 youth. Um, there's our incarceration rates over the past few years, pretrial list. Yeah. So the United States total is 689 per 100,000. Gotcha. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that everybody knows, you know, it's a pretty fucking rigged system. I guess it's like, what can we do to, you know, combat it from where we're at now? Oh, Tennessee's a lot better. They only have 58,000. But what is their population adjusted? Uh, theirs is at 853 per 100,000. So what? It's like 100 less? Uh, let me go back. 100 and some change. It's, so it's like a it's like a percent. It's like a, a so it's like 0.85 instead of 0.9. Yeah. Okay. Still doesn't seem that much. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about that many people, then yeah, sure. I mean, Texas big... has two hundred and fifty thousand people in jail, <laughs> <clears throat> but their numbers are yeah. But there's a fucking huge state too. Yeah, I think you've really got to look at it by percent. Yeah, Texas has three hundred and sixty-eight thousand people on probation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, uh, so, um, let's see here. People on probation, um, it looks like. Holy so the total, shit. The total U.S. justice system controls almost 7 million people. Um, 3.6 of them, 3.6 million are on probation. 840,000 are on parole. And 2.3 million are in correctional facilities. Georgia has 404,000 on probation. It has more people on probation than Texas. Hmm. And 21,000 on parole. Gotcha. I mean, it's hard to do anything with those numbers when you... But what I was saying is that, you know more than half of the people in our system are on probation. Yeah. A much smaller thing are on parole. And then the rest of them are actually locked up. But yeah, because that's minute, the biggest thing. They Go ahead. Of, of accepting the misdemeanor. You accept the misdemeanor, we'll put you on fucking probation, get you in the system, get you start making the money, and then if you fuck up after you get on probation, we'll lock you up. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a innocent till proven guilty. It's not a justice system. It is a plea system. They want everyone to take a plea deal. You yeah. know? Um, and... Um, this was many years ago. I watched a, do- a documentary, but they said that um, over 90 cases that go into um, court, they leave with a plea deal. 90%. You know? What? 90%. That, yeah, but this documentary had take place in 2014. So I can't say the numbers today, but that documentary that I watched was 90% went into a plea deal. So mm-hmm. not much justice being done there. So people even just take a plea deal because the plea deal is less harsh than if they went into a trial, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Cause everybody, if you, if you go to trial and if you make them spend all that time and that money, they're going to throw the book at you if you lose. Mm-hmm. I wonder how the states that have legalized uh, weed have, how their numbers have changed since that. 
I mean, that would be a great stat to look at. And I would mm-hmm. definitely be curious to know because a lot of times, um, you know, people are incarcerated for um, just having a little bit of weed on you. Yeah. So, you know. Um, so really, at the end of the day, a lot of my facts came from the sentencing project. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you guys want to check that website out. Um, they have a lot of great, um, you know, tools on there. I mean, it breaks everything down to like children whose parents are incarcerated, um, to mental health issues, to, you know, people, how, what percent of people in there, um, have, you know, children have, you know, all different stats. So, and it breaks it down by like, you know, the city, the state, and, um, there, it's just like, a ton of information. So I I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, But I think we all know that there's a problem, but I think right now in the media, just like when they're saying that they're letting um, inmates out, don't get scared. Okay. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's like what I'm reading in the comments is like, Oh, they're letting these criminals, (coughs) excuse me, out the people that they're letting out, usually are, and only 31 states are doing this, they're nonviolent and they've served the majority of their time. Well, now so, I have seen, now, now not to disparage or anything, I have seen a, a few clickbait articles that are causing some of this hysteria. There have been some, and now there was, I posted one the other day that, or I, I didn't post one, I was commenting on one the other day that, some of these, some of these, because uh, I think it was WSAV had posted it because Chatham County uh, here in Savannah released 460 inmates and uh, due to overpopulation in the jail, and that was all that they all that they posted, which was causing hysteria. Was that Chatham County released 400 something inmates? And I was like trying to talk to uh, my friends that had posted it, and they were all in an uproar about this. And I was like, well, first of all, you don't know. You don't know that they're not releasing these people's information because they can't just release these people's information to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also they can't just release. They can't oh, release okay. all that information and they're not going to release motherfuckers that, hey, they just, you know, this isn't somebody that just shot somebody last week. They're not going to do that. But I have seen bullshit fake articles talking about how this guy that just was, you know, was was on in jail waiting uh, to go to trial for murder was released due to overpopulation. Those are clickbait articles that are fucking scaring people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, also part of the county and and the system that is, you know, releasing inmates to inform the community. I, I get that we can't give specifics on their names and charges and, and this, but to, to, to from what I'm seeing, what I'm reading is these people have, have done the majority of their time and that they are nonviolent and that, and it's not like they're letting them out and you're like, okay, you're free to go. Most of these uh, people are still having to serve time on either house arrest at home. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, Hey, you got a freebie. You only serve, you know, you still had a year left, but we're letting you out. So, um, you know, I, I, again, just, you know, you, you, I think with everything now with anything and everything with the media is do your own research, believe what you want to believe. But if you just make sure that you dig into it, 
um, because you're going to see articles like you mentioned, Stacey, and then you're going to see articles where, you know, they're letting, you know, nonviolent, they will still be on house arrest and, you know, whatever, you know, so I think it's important to just continue. Like if it's something that really bothers you instead of commenting on it with the quickness, like read about it first, research it so you can have knowledge to back it up, you know? Yeah, one of the things that I found that surprised me in my research, um, it says here, people convicted of violent and sexual offenses are actually among the least likely to be rearrested. And those convicted of rape or sexual assault have rearrest rates 20% lower than all other offense categories combined. Um, and more broadly, people convicted of any violent offense are less likely to be rearrested in the years after release than those convicted of property, drug, or public order offenses. Um, and they think that that's because of age is one of the main predictors of violence. Um, so, you know, the risk for violence peaks in adolescence or early adulthood and then declines with age. Yet we're incarcerating these people long after their risk has declined. Um, and then also, many of these, uh, most victims of violent crime don't want more incarceration. Uh, national survey data shows that most victims want violence prevention, social investment, and alternatives to incarceration that addresses the root of the crime. So like we were talking about therapy, you know, uh, not more investment in systems that, you know, put them in there with other violent criminals for them to just magnify on top of each other. Yeah, but you can't make money off of therapy. Oh, sure. is, is, right. Oh, yeah. That's why fucking uh, that that was a dumb statement. No, that's not a dumb statement. That's why the system is still the way it is. I mean, there's a whole fucking racket of a mental health industry, which yeah, is but why that's, a lot that's, of people are that's, in there because they can't afford the therapy. So you can't say that therapy doesn't make money. Not the, not the same way the private prison system is making money for those people. It's not. Sure, it's not the same way. That's the, That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm just saying... Don't those same people that invest in the private prisons, don't they own Pfizer and shit like that where they could, you know? Yeah, and they're also making money off of force-feeding those people pills because isn't there pill call every day in those prisons too? Aren't they selling I mean, those same pills back? Don't they have to go to therapy first to get their pills? No. No. So they're, so, they're just randomly assigning these people pills with no diagnosis. They have no, doctors like inside those pills, inside those, inside those, uh, those, those prisons too. There's, there's, there's. So what you're saying is, therapy and doctors are making money. They are hired by. It's, it's, it's a, it's a. There's a from from somebody who's been locked up. There's, there's people that are in there as well. What do there's you mean? Like people a, that are in there. There's like a. So there's there's a nurse that's always there, and there's like a shrink yeah, that's I mean, always there. I, mean, I, I, I get that, but I'm saying that they could fucking make money off of, like, you know, it could be profitable if they wanted to make it that way. It could probably be more profitable. Well, I think also... If they chose to run it that way. If I'm, if I'm like, hearing or understanding this correctly, having programs in prisons 
costs money. So having those NA and, and AA and mental health groups and all those uh, GED programs, barber schools, that costs the prison money. Oh, I'm, and, not, I'm, not, I'm not arguing against it by no means. I'm just simply playing. Yeah, it. neither. Yeah, I get that. And but but to to offer those programs is a cost to the to the bottom dollar. If you could eliminate those programs and still make money off your inmates, they're going to eliminate those programs. You know, so I think so I see what you guys are saying, like, yes, if, you know, mental health and and having those things, if those people got out, they would, you know, have a better chance and make money for society and stuff like that. But like, at the end of the day, in the prison system, having the sick sick Mm. is going to make the prison money. So keeping everyone unhealthy makes the prison profitable. Because it keeps them there longer. Because, you know, you don't want someone to... It's like, if someone gets healthy and strong and works on good behavior, you're now released because of good behavior. We've heard that, you know? Like, I only did, you know, 85% of my time and I got released because of good behavior. So, like, if you keep them unhealthy, they stay unhealthy. And at the end of the day, that's a warm body to work in the prison. So... I don't know if that made sense to what you guys were debating about, but I agree those programs should be in it. That's the field that I'm in. I, um, I, I want to work with people that are incarcerated who have um, mental health illness. Um, and I think it, it, they go unnoticed. I think society has forgotten them, but I think that um it's important to make sure that they feel not forgotten. And I just feel bad that um, I have went so long without being knowledgeable about people incarcerated because the only thing that brought me to this was having a loved one incarcerated. And, um, and now I'm passionate about it and, and I want to help in any way possible. So I think it's important for people to hear podcasts like this because maybe it will strike something and they'll want to be involved too. I think that is a great point to uh, wrap this up on. Well, thank you for joining us via Skype today. Uh, Sorry for all the bickering. Oh, no, it was great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I was apologizing to the listener. Oh. (laughs) But we're sorry as well, Clarice. Well, guys, this was fun. Thanks for letting me talk about this. And I hope you guys have a great week. Yeah, absolutely. And if, uh, do you know, you know, anywhere that our other, um, anywhere that our listeners could go to find um, resources to donate to your community or anything like that? For Chattanooga? Yeah. Oh, um, you could just go to Chattanooga. Just News hit up my uh, PayPal, dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't have PayPal or Venmo. Um, just go to yeah, I know. Uh, Chattanooga. You got an six. Yeah, I know. I'm old school. Uh, Chattanooga News uh, Channel 9. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, If you go on their website, you can... Um, they have a bunch of links of um, different places you can donate. Um, we right now have the chef crisis little truck going around. Um, 
But yeah, if you just Google Chattanooga and, you know, I, I, I really, uh, Facebook, if you uh, know anybody, I, I'm sure there's a lot of links out there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Chattanooga, Chattanooga News Channel 9 is my source for um, all my information here. But yeah, but thanks for having me. Yeah, Jamie, thanks for joining us again. Jamie, do you want to plug your OnlyFans? Jamie is not here. Oh. Jamie All has right, left sweetie. Great to, to do a podcast with you. <laughs> All right. Later. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.